All right, I do not want to see any balloons like beach balls going through the... We're just going to leave those there. Um, I regret who I chose to help me up front. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Grab your Bibles and look in together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I told Sherry that I was using balloons this morning, but I would not be making any balloon animals. So it was, uh, it was okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and um, I want to actually, we're going to read the larger passage starting in 7, but for just a second, let me, uh, before I set up the sermon, let's set up this series for a second. Just look with me in verse 16 for just a second. It says at the beginning of verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. So this is one of a few places in the New Testament where it uses that phrase. It talks about not losing heart. And what I want to do over the next few weeks, and this morning we're going to dig into this passage and see what it teaches us, but over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at the few places in the New Testament where it says, uh, don't lose heart because of this, or therefore don't lose heart because we have this on our side. Um, And the reason I want to preach this right now um, is I, I really, in general, life can get very difficult. And in general, life can be a challenge. But I think for a lot of us right now, uh, when you add COVID and still having to wear masks some places and what we can or what we can't do anymore and who we can't see. And like this morning, we have maybe half of our normal crowd and, and just all the, all the extra stuff that COVID has added on us. I think there are a lot of us that are slowly losing heart. Um, we're just we're getting discouraged and we're getting down. And so what I'm hoping and, and these all aren't subjects that are directly related to, to COVID stuff. But just in general, what I want to do over the next few weeks is encourage us um, that when we do start to feel a little down and, and start to lose heart a little bit, that there are some truths in the Bible that recognize there are times when we're going to lose heart. But here's some encouragement. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some encouraging truths. Now, having looked at verse 16 there, that's kind of what we're going to come to at the end of this message. We need to, as you see in verse 16, it says, therefore, do not lose heart. When you see the word therefore, you need to go back before that and see, okay, well, what truth is it giving us that therefore I'm not going to lose heart? And that's what we're going to unpack with the majority of the sermon today. This is a a challenging passage, and so as I read down through it the first time, it may not all make sense, but hopefully as we unpack it in the sermon, it will. So let's go back up to uh, verse 7, and we'll go ahead and read our passage for this morning, and then I go from there. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this 
It's for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. So, we, we all go through times, we're going to be talking this morning about our physical bodies, and we all go through times, especially as we get older, we start to wear down some, and we start to, um, uh, we, we, we start to struggle some physically. And, and this passage, it, it deals with larger issues too, but it deals with that in, in the, the struggles that we deal with physically. Um, Joe was kind enough earlier this week to, uh, nine years ago, uh, a, a few days ago, uh, I, me and my family came here, and I preached a trial sermon, and the church voted me to be uh, the new pastor. And then about a month later, I, I started first Sunday in November as uh, the new pastor here. And so Joe posted that picture of nine years ago, you know, uh, Jim was voted in as the pastor. And I looked at that picture, and from what I could see, there was not a gray hair in my beard in that picture. That is no longer true. It's also true, looking at that picture, I had four children at home. Uh, Jenna was in elementary school, and now I have a child that's married, three kids out of the house, and uh, I am very aware of the fact that my time with Jenna at the house is running out because she'll be a senior next year in high school. And so time just kind of rolls on, and we didn't have a gray beard, and now we do have a gray beard, or we, we didn't have a back, back problems, and now we do, or whatever the issues are. And, and within that, we all through the, the process of, of growing older, feel those things. And this passage addresses a little bit of, okay, when I start to feel down in that way, what encouragement does the Bible have for me? I, I want to unpack this passage, and we're going to really concentrate this morning on the word that. There's a number of places in this, in this passage where the word that shows up, and usually it's showing a consequence. And, and so we're going to unpack the truths in, in each of the four cases, and then I want to, after we get through these four points, I want to look at the end of the passage for a few minutes. Uh, but we want to look especially at the word that and see what it teaches us about how we deal with, uh, with these things. So this is both this morning going to have to do with our physical bodies, but also the larger way that we should look at life in, in light of that. So number one in your sermon outline this morning, when we begin to get worn down physically, number one, don't lose heart because his power can shine through. Don't lose heart because His power can shine through. So first, look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now you may not have known where it was, but a lot of people know that somewhere in the Bible refers to people as jars of clay. What does that mean? Well, as you look at verse 7, the treasure refers to what it was talking about in the previous verse. At the end of the previous verse, in verse 6 it says, uh, halfway through, made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So he's talking here about all that God is pouring into our lives. It, that, that's the treasure he's talking about. Jesus Christ, 
being poured into our life is a treasure. Amen? i got to get better than that. Jesus Christ poured into our life is a treasure. Amen? Thank you. So that's the treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What's that? That's us. Now, he did not say in a beautiful golden vase. He didn't say in a beautiful crystal vase. He said in jars of clay. Is that impressive or not impressive? It's not impressive. So we have this treasure, this incredible knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's an amazing thing. And he has put that, God has chosen to put that, not in a beautiful golden vase. He's chose to put it in jars of clay. The older you get, the more you feel like a jar of clay. Maybe a little chipped, maybe a little broken, uh, maybe leaking a little bit, I don't know. Um, but as we think about that, we are these jars of clay. And so as we're talking about, and again, there's bigger subjects here too, but as we talk about our physical bodies, especially as we go forward and get older and we do start to be a little less healthy and we start to have more issues, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Well, why would God choose to put something that incredible in something that weak and that fallible and that breakable? Well, look what it says. To show that. There's the word that. All right, we're going to keep coming back to this. To show that. So it's giving us the consequence. He's put this treasure in jars of clay to show that, the, uh, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Is from God and not from us. What does that mean? It means that when you look at me as a person, and I'm, you know, I'm getting gray and, and my back hurts sometimes, and, you know, none of us are perfect, strong, infallible uh, human beings that will never have any issues. We're all jars of clay. We're, we're all a little bit broken, a little bit chipped. And so when God is able to do something great through us, when God is able to do a miracle through us or is able to impact a life through us or the things that we do impact having somebody else to go back to what was thought. Let's go to Mark's testimony this morning. And that was a great testimony to tie into what we were talking about here. Talk about his mom and his dad for a second. They lived their life day after day after day following Christ. And that, it wasn't that they did something exceptional. They just allowed the light of God's glory to shine through every day. And it ended up impacting, among a lot of other people, uh, Mark and Joe and the foreign exchange student that he was talking about, Oliver. And so as we allow that to go through, sometimes we feel like, well, I have to be really impressive or people aren't going to see God in me. That's not the plan at all. The plan is not how impressive we can be. The reality is I'm limited and I, I'm not infallible and I mess up and I'm a jar of clay. But as God moves through me and people's lives are impacted, the beauty of that is people don't look and say, look how impressive Jim Butcher is. People look at that and say, man, how good God is. Because it is the power of God coming through that weak vessel. And so as we think about this this morning, some of us, as we get older, we start to think, well, you know, I, I, I can't get around as much as I used to, or I'm not as strong as I used to, or I don't have the stamina that I used to to be able to, to, to walk and work all day. And so I guess I'm not useful anymore. Verse 7 totally throws that out. Even if we are a jar of clay, even if we're an increasingly chipped jar of clay, that doesn't mean God can't work through us because the whole point is not for people to look and be impressed by us. 
The point is that they look at us and say, you know, he's not that impressive, she's not that impressive, and yet I felt God through them. I sensed God working through them. The point is that God's power can shine through something as weak and fragile as us. Second point. So once we understand that's the principle, we now get over into Jesus' life a little bit. And point number two is this. Don't lose heart. Because resurrection comes after death. Don't lose heart. Because resurrection comes after death. So, Jesus is, I've said this before in the past, Jesus is our Savior, amen? Jesus is our Lord, amen? And so we understand Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our Lord, so we can look at Him as the example. We, we look at Him, He saved me, He is my Lord, I look at Him as an example. Jesus' life, though, is not just our example, Jesus' life is our pattern. And the way that Jesus lived, and especially with his death and resurrection, is not just something that's a one-time, one-off, I believe in that, and that just had to do with Jesus' life, but it is also the way, listen, this is important, it is also the way that God works in us. Look at verse 8, and we'll go down to verse 10. So, having established that we are jars of clay, but God's power flows through us. Look at verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I don't know how, as you look at verses 8 and 9 there, I don't know how Joel Osteen would preach those verses. Because Joel Osteen's always like, everything's great and God's going to bless you, you're not going to have any problems and everything's going to be wonderful. That's not what Paul preaches. Man, we're hard-pressed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're abandoned. Life's hard sometimes. Life, we struggle sometimes. We go through difficulty, and that's true in other areas of our life, but it's also true physically. You look at the list that Paul shares elsewhere of all the physical struggles that he went through. And as we think about that, what, verse eight and, what verses 8 and 9 tell us is that there is this struggle that we're going through. God's not going to allow us to be totally wiped out, because in each one, but not crushed, but not in despair, but not abandoned, but not destroyed. God is there to make sure we're not totally wiped out. But God never promised that everything was going to be easy. God never promised that we weren't going to have physical struggles. God never promised that we weren't going to go through times where we, we deal with issues. Okay, well then, why? Why not do it the Joel Osteen way? God, just bless me and give me everything that I want, and I'm never sick, and everything's great. Because God is more interested in your holiness than He is in your happiness. And therefore, as God allows us to be pressed, to be persecuted, to be perplexed, to be struck down, as he does that, it's not just that, although it is true we live in a fallen world and, and things happen sometimes that aren't great. It is true that's part of what we live in. But it's not just that to explain why God allows it. It also is that God has a larger point. God is more interested in my holiness than my happiness. Look at verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That is a really important, it's a hard phrase, we're going to explain it, 
But that's a really important phrase. It goes back to what I said a moment ago. Jesus is not just our example, he's our pattern. The pattern in Jesus' life was not, okay, listen, Jesus, so for you to save everybody, I just need you to be a perfect example, and that's it. We're good. What did Jesus have to do? He had to go to the cross. And then that even wasn't enough. Because if Jesus just went to the cross, we would have been forgiven, but we, we would not have had the power to overcome death. Jesus not only to be, needed to be forgiven, but he also needed to be raised from the dead. And thank the Lord as we celebrate on Easter, Jesus did die on the cross, but he was also raised from the dead. Amen? We believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So the pattern of Jesus' life was not that he avoided the struggle. Jesus' pattern was not that he avoided death. Jesus' pattern, this is important, pay attention, was that Jesus went through death, but there was resurrection on the other side. That he went through struggle, but there was victory on the other side. That he went through the difficulty, but that there was glory on the other side. That's the pattern for our lives too. It is not the Joel Osteen shallow ridiculousness, you're never going to have a problem. It is, yes, you're going to go through a struggle, but there is resurrection on the other side. There is glory on the other side. There is growth on the other side. Let's go back to that phrase in verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Let me pause there for a second. What does that mean? Jesus went through that struggle. Jesus went through that difficulty. As a Christian, I am not exempt from that. I don't get to say, well, Jesus went through it, so I don't have to. It's part of the deal. I'm going to go through struggle, too. I'm going to go through difficulty, too. Some of it's going to be physical. Some of it's going to be spiritual. Some of it's going to be mental. Some of it's going to be emotional. I'm going to go through times of difficulty. And so, therefore, in my body, as I go through those, I'm, I'm carrying around the, the death of Jesus a little bit. I'm carrying around that time of struggle. I'm carrying around that, that difficulty. Why? Why would God do that? Why not give me the Joel Osteen, everything is great? God, why would you allow me to go through a time of physical struggle? Why would you allow me to go through a time of mental struggle, emotional tr- struggle, spiritual struggle? Why would you do that? He answers it. Look at verse 10. So that, there's another that. We carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus. We go through the times of struggle so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. The reality is, and you know this as well as I do, for me and for you, spiritual growth doesn't happen generally when everything is great. Oh, God just blessed me with a brand new job. I'm, not, I'm growing spirit. No, when do I grow? I grow when I get laid off, and I have to trust that God's going to provide for me, even though I don't know where it's coming from. We don't grow near as much when everything is great as we do through the struggles. When we have to have faith, we have to trust God. We have to believe He's going to be there. But what happens? When I go through that time and I get laid off, and I'm like, God, how are you going to provide? How am I going to provide for my family? And then six months later when I have a job, I look back and I'm like, we never missed a house payment. We never missed a meal. God provided. I've come out of that time of death, and now I have greater faith and trust in Jesus because I went through the death, but I have come out on the side of life. And so it's that pattern that he's talking about in verse 10. We carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. The point is, going back to what I said earlier, the goal of God is not for me to have an easy life. The goal is for me to have a holy life, for me to be more like Jesus, for me to be closer to Him, for me to have more faith. And if that requires me going through some struggle, God's okay with that because the goal is 
He wants me to have the life of Jesus inside of me and inside of you. That leads us to the third thing. So, resurrection comes after death. It's not just true for Jesus, it's also true for us in the way that God works in our lives. Don't lose heart, number three, because your witness was never that things are perfect in this life. Your witness was never that things are perfect in this life. So a lot of us feel like that the impact that we have has to do with, okay, for other people to come to Christ, I need to look like I have it all together and everything's great so that they'll want Jesus. That, that, A, that's not true. None of our lives are all together. We're all struggling. We're all going through difficulties. And number two, when we portray that, it tends to push people away. They don't look at that and, and say, well, I guess God would do that for me. They tend to look at that and say, well, I guess Jim's different than me if his life is perfect because I'm a mess. Look, look at the verses that follow, 13 um, and 14. 13 says, It is written, so remember, this is all consecutive. He's making a point here. 13, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. What is that? That's a little obscure. What's that mean? What it means is this. It's a quote from Psalm 116. It's about death in Psalm 116. And basically, the, the point he's making here, as he says that is, I believed, I, I didn't have evidence, I didn't have all the answers. I believed by faith, and therefore I've spoken. In other words, what he's saying is, I don't have all the answers, I don't know why. I believe in Jesus, and therefore I am speaking my faith in Him. I'm speaking my trust in Him. I'm not doing it because I have everything that I want. I'm not doing it because everything makes sense. I believe, I have faith, and therefore I am speaking my trust in God. It's a statement of faith there. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So he mentions that faith there. So just like in Psalm 116, we, for, we also believe, even though everything isn't great right now, we believe and therefore we speak our trust in God. We speak our words of praise to God. If you said amen this morning, if you came in here this morning and your life was imperfect, which is every single one of us, and you said amen anywhere in this service, you didn't say amen because God had given you everything you wanted. You said amen because I'm trusting God anyway. Look at 14. Because we know that. There's the word that again. Because we know that. The one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. The point is, it was never going to be perfect in this life. It was never going to be God bringing everything together. We're going through a time where we have to have faith, and we have that faith, and we continue to praise God anyway. And as people see that, that doesn't drive people away from God where they say, well, you know, I, I, I see the struggle that Jim is going through, and therefore I don't want anything of it. When I go through a time of struggle, and I still believe and have faith in God, when I go through a time of physical difficulty, and I still praise God anyway. Because I know, you know, maybe this will be healed in six weeks, maybe this will be healed in six months, but no matter what happens, what's my hope? Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Our hope is, you know, God may heal me in the short term, God may bring me an answer in the short term, but no matter what happens, my rock-solid, no-doubt, 
take it to the bank, 100% certainty is this, I will be raised with Jesus Christ. I will be raised with Jesus Christ. So I have faith that no matter what happens, whether God heals me or he doesn't, I'm still okay in the end. I know where I'm going. I know what my life is going to be. I know what's ahead of me. I have the hope that because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, I too will be raised from the dead. And therefore I can say, you know what? It's not perfect, but that's okay. I still trust God because he has promised that he will resurrect me someday. Amen? All right, that leads us to the fourth thing. And then I want to unpack 16, 17, and 18. The, the fourth thing is this. Don't lose heart because it was never about you. Don't lose heart because it was never about you. Look at verse 15. All this is for your benefit. Let's pause for a second and put that in context. So Paul here is writing, he and his companions are writing to the Corinthians. And so as they write to the Corinthians, he's saying, now everything that we're going through is for your benefit, the Corinthians. So he's saying, I'm going through this struggle and it's going to benefit somebody else. As we go through our struggles, it will not only benefit us for spiritual growth that we talked about earlier, but it will also benefit others. What is it? It says, verse 15, all this is for your benefit, so that, there's the phrase again, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. What's he saying? He's saying there, the struggles that we're going through and the difficulties that we're going through, those aren't discouraging you guys because we continue to have faith and we continue to show our trust in God. Therefore, you all are encouraged that, yes, we're going through a hard time, but we're still continuing to believe in Jesus. And as we do that, that's encouraging your faith because you too are going through a time of struggle and you see how we are continuing to have faith in Jesus. And therefore, that is encouraging you to continue to have faith in Jesus. When we try to hide our struggles and act like my life is great, I don't have any issues, that doesn't help others. When I go through a time of struggle, physical, mental, otherwise, and I tell people, I'm going through this time of struggle, but I'm believing anyway, that encourages other people because they say, if Jim can make it, maybe I can make it. Now, all that leads us, don't close your Bible yet. I want to look at 16, 17, and 18. And this isn't in your outline, but I want to just spend a minute unpacking it. So, I said earlier, everything that I said leads to the therefore in 16. Therefore, so think about all we've said. The, the pattern is, is resurrection, not avoidance of that. And as we do all that and as we go through all that, we have the hope of resurrection no matter what we go through. And as we go through all this, we acknowledge the struggles and that encourages other people. And as we have all that going on, verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I know it's hard right now. I know I'm going through struggle. But listen, I'm not losing heart for all those reasons I just gave you. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. That's a very physical thing. Paul is going through times of struggle. He's going through times of difficulty. His body is not as strong as it used to be. Outwardly, physically, he is wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. It goes back to what we talked about earlier. We may go through a time of physical difficulty, and maybe our bodies are going down. But in all that, he's working to renew us spiritually. The goal that he has is for us to be holier, not happier, and therefore, as we go through some times of struggle, as long as that is continuing to grow us, physically, I mean, spiritually, there's something good coming out of it. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Let's pause for a second. Jim, okay, I understand what you're saying, 
But as I think about all that, and I think about the struggle that I'm going through, and I know God is going to bring maturity out of allowing, but I think about all that I'm going through, and I, I got to ask you this morning, like, I'm worn down, and I'm struggling, and I've got this problem physically, and I've got that problem with my kid, and I've got this problem at work. Is it going to be worth it? 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's hard. And I'm not denying it's hard. Everything we've talked about this morning is that life is hard. What Jesus is, what God is promising us here through the Apostle Paul is this. It's worth it. And it's not just like 1% barely worth it. What's he say? Our light and momentary struggle, troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that what? Far outweighs them all. It's not a 1% thing. It is an abundant thing of what God is working through us within the struggles that we go through. Verse 18. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to close with this. There was a story I read the other day. There was a guy named Roger Thompson. This goes back years. He was in high school, and he worked for Brinks. And they, he, he was the guy that, that got all the coin in the boxes, and, and then they would load it up on the Brinks trucks, and, um, and the Brinks trucks would go. Well, one day his manager got a call, and uh, Bank of America in San Bernardino, this was out in California, needed coin now. Like, they had to have it within the hour. All of the trucks, all the Brinks trucks were out. But his boss said, we've got to deliver. So he, Roger and his boss, Roger's boss pulled, over, pulled around, this was many years ago, he had an old 49 pickup truck, and he pulled it up to the thing, and they loaded up $25,000 worth of coin on the back of that truck. And with no guard or anything, they drove over to the Bank of America in San Bernardino. And when they pulled up right outside, uh, Roger's boss said, you watch the truck, I'm going to go in and get a, a cart for us to go start bringing this in. So his boss went in, and he said, I'm standing there, with I'm standing there on the street with $25,000. And yet he said, no one paid any mind to me. They just kept walking by. No one gave me a second thought or a second glance. He said, I started out waiting. I was like, I got $25,000 here. How come nobody's paying any attention to me? And he said he realized the commonness of the delivery. It was just a truck with a bunch of boxes in the back. It didn't look like anything. It wasn't that impressive. The commonness of the delivery system caused everybody to miss the treasure that was in the back of the pickup. Sometimes we miss out on the fact that it's through the everyday things that God is delivering glory to us. He is delivering maturity to us. He is delivering, mature, he's delivering the opportunity for us to grow in Christ. Don't overlook the commonness of the delivery system. Keep your sight on what God has promised to do through that. He is creating in us a glory that far outweighs our light and momentary Let's pray.
Father, I pray for encouragement this morning. I pray, Father, for those that are here this morning that came in weighed down with physical, workplace, family, emotional, whatever the problems were, and just didn't understand what you were doing. Father, I pray this morning that your truth through the Apostle Paul will help us to see where you're working. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't magically erase everything. But Father, it gives us a vision of what you're up to. Help us this morning to be encouraged that you have not abandoned us in our struggle, but you are working in us, in our struggle. Thank you for doing that. I pray in Jesus' name. And amen.